The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Going to be talking about your latest Farm Futures article, anticipating call updates, which is always one of the best articles of the year. You've been pretty spot on with these predictions in recent years. We'll go through the entire article. But first, James, just want to talk to you a little bit about your beat James Anderson NFBC draft, part of the online championship with, what, $125,000 grand prize. So, you know, a lot of guys swinging for the fences. How did you approach this draft and who'd you end up with yeah I, I mean i didn't really have any big plans going in um but i concocted some crazy schemes on the fly mid-draft and i had the fifth pick which was a perfect spot i, I really like that spot because uh i actually do believe there's a bit of a drop off after the top uh you know seven or eight guys and so i just i like starting your team with one of them you're always able to get an ace on the way back. And I ended up going Acuna and then Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, um, which I thought really set me up to kind of do whatever I wanted after that. Um, 
took a few more hitters and then uh, got German Marquez as my number three starter. And then I tried a strategy that I will probably uh, not attempt again in any other leagues this year, but in a 12-teamer with an overall prize, I thought it made sense. I grabbed Corey Knable, Jose Alvarado, and Jordan Hicks uh, in the span of five picks from rounds nine through 13. Uh, just wanted to you know, get, get the saves out of the way. I mean, it's a 12-team league, so you're going to need two closers to compete in that category i wanted three to try to compete in the overall and i think all three of these guys have top five closer upside and if if they all were to hit that i think that gives me a a really good shot in the overall yeah you gotta have saves you gotta be competitive in all 10 categories to compete in the overall and i actually really like what you did there because you got one guy who we know has the job in canable and then two other guys in alvarado and hicks who we're just talking skills skills wise they're among the best relievers in baseball so uh, I got Alvarado in labor I've been a little bit scared off by these Kimbrel rumors although it doesn't seem to be a fit in Tampa Bay so yeah and also Mark Topkin saying that he thinks Alvarado is going to be the primary closer Hicks looks great so I like all those guys you got you also sandwiched uh, Luke Voigt in there I guess after those three but I love that pick there's been talk about him maybe hitting third or fourth so uh, how high is he jumping up your draft board well, he's been really high uh, for me. It's just a matter of when do you take him. In... You're playing chicken a little bit. Right, exactly. And I texted you. I was playing Marquez chicken last night where in the sixth round he was my best player available, but I, you know, he always seems to fall a little further than you and I think he should. And Glaber Torres is sitting there in the sixth, and I don't have any shares of him, and I thought that was awesome value. So I was like, well, let's – get a little greedy here play some chicken and of course marquez makes it back to me as he as he always does it seems um but yeah with void it's pretty much the same type of game where uh needed a first baseman and just didn't think i could wait any longer on void uh and i was willing to kind of risk that with the jordan hicks pick before um you know void was just on a pure valuation standpoint was the best player available there but i wanted to try this three um mid-tier high upside closer strategy just with the overall prize involved and then Voight was was there I I really think by the time uh, the main event gets here people are going to finally sort of catch on to just how valuable he might be this year and yeah that report that came out just about a half hour before the show today uh, Aaron Boone likes him in the four hole I mean that would just be um, so great because I'd been operating this whole time that he was kind of the six hitter and even then i was was all about it i mean if he's hitting fourth that's that'd be awesome yeah i love the price right now on void we'll see though in a couple weeks because yeah especially like it does seem to be obviously trending this way but once bird like gets officially optioned right i mean jump him up like two rounds at least uh some of your later round picks i really liked i mean chad pinder like him as a flyer adam frazier i know the bat really likes him you also got an opening day starter your third to last pick marcus stroman yeah, he allows a lot of contact, and the results fluctuate from the baseline um, more than they do with guys who miss a lot of bats. But, I mean, I think he's totally nice, you know, volume starter uh, with a late pick. Any any selection in this back half uh, that you particularly liked? Uh, you know, I liked the way that I filled out my pitching staff with uh, – got some upside in, like, Whitley, Burns, Strom – 
And then uh, I love just getting Kyle Gibson and Marcus Stroman as, you know, my fifth and sixth starters for most of the season, I'm guessing. Uh, I like that Gibson, you know, I really like Twins pitchers this year because uh, the division they're in, I think, is just really beneficial. I think that having a full season of Byron Buxton in center field is going to help all those guys out. Uh, having Jason Castro back is going to help those guys out. So, um, you know, at the very least, I think Gibson's going to have a lot of appealing matchups all season. And then Stroman, I mean, he gets to face the Orioles, uh, hopefully, like three or four times. Um, you know, I, I like you said, he's, it's not like he's a world beater, but I think he's just a, a pretty good real-life pitcher who's coming off an awful, unlucky season, and that's making him available outside of the top 300, which I think is a great place to grab him. Yeah, that's just a nice pick just to get you some innings, get you a guy you can – plug in while you wait on some guys like Whitley and others. Uh, but let's get into this Farm Futures article, anticipating call-up dates. Vlad Jr.'s call-up date seemed pretty safe to be, you know, right around mid-April once they got that extra year control, maybe a couple days later just to avoid appearances, you know, bad appearances. But now he's got this issue, this injury issue, an oblique strain, grade one. Does this affect things for you, or is it just kind of – happenstance from a, a fantasy standpoint where it's like, yeah, he was going to miss that time anyway. Now just get him healthy and the, the timetable is still pretty much in line. It does affect things. I don't think it affects things as drastically as his recent ADP may suggest. Uh, I, I knocked three weeks of at-bats off of my projection for him just because, uh, you know, I think this delays his arrival in Toronto by about 10 days. Uh, I think that they're going to kind of use the start of that season basically as the rest of his spring training. And then I think he comes up uh, April 23rd uh, for a home game against the Giants. You know, most of these guys, the team's going to want to have them debut at home so they can get that uh, gate money, especially if it's a team that doesn't isn't typically selling out games. Yeah. Um, so I think, he, you know, this injury maybe costs him a week to two weeks in terms of when he's up. But you know, you have to also factor in that maybe he doesn't heal up in, in three weeks, like they said. So maybe there's a chance that it, it does stretch into to later in April. And then there's also a chance that he just kind of tweaks this again in season. So I just I felt like knocking three weeks off of my original projection for him uh, made safe or made sense and kind of covers your bases. But I still think he's a top 50 player overall. And so if he's falling... You know, I heard that he was falling into like the fifth or sixth round of some 15-team NFBC leagues. Like to me, that's just a big overreaction in this case, and it just makes him an even better buy than he he already was. Yeah, does this change your long-term outlook on, on him though? Just with the injury issue popping up already, I mean, obviously he had the knee thing last year. Any growing doubt you know, creeping into your head about maybe this guy's ability to hold up? Uh. Yeah, I mean, Ever I, think, so I think to say there's zero doubt, I think that that would just be kind of foolish. And um, yeah, but I, you know, I, it's not like we haven't seen plenty of guys um, with similar physiques have long primes. You yeah. know, I mean, I think back to like recent examples of like Prince Fielder and Albert Pujols and. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, like, you know, eventually everyone kind of breaks down, but I still think there's a, 
you know, I don't, I don't think we should be worried about him just having his career cut short by, by any of this. He's obviously a big boy. He's been, um, you know, bigger than you'd probably like him to be for pretty much ever since he entered pro ball. But, um, it, it's just not affected the, the play on the field. So, I mean, you, you definitely hope that it's not a thing where he's constantly banged up. Um, to me, there's not enough of a track record for us to think that he's any more injury prone than anyone else. I mean, Eloy Jimenez has missed more time with injuries than Vlad Jr. has in his career, and people don't talk about that with Jimenez. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's a small, small thing kind of in the back of your head that that you're thinking about but not enough to to downgrade him much at all yeah definitely a question that's been brought more to the forefront now in light of this issue because this is you know this is like the worst injury not the worst injury but i hate these oblique things that kind of pop up it seems like the kind of injury that you know a a injury prone ish type of guy might might get pretty regularly like a guy like aaron hicks seems like he always has an oblique strain or something uh but now uh eloy jimenez you actually have him uh, uh, arriving eight, uh, eight days before Vlad. Is this pretty much the first date possible, April 15th, to bring him up? Uh, the first date for all these guys, except Kyle Tucker, is April 12th. Um, that's that's the date when every one of these guys could be brought up and the team gets a seventh-year control. But if the White Sox brought Eloy up on April 12th or even April 13th, or April 14th, uh, the Yankees would benefit from the ticket sales to those baseball games. So I think they bring him up April 15th for a home game on a Monday against the Royals, which, you know, the amount of people in attendance for that game, if Eloy is not brought up versus the amount of people in attendance, if he is brought up could be, you know, a 10,000 person swing. So that I might drive down. (laughs) I mean, that just makes sense, right. To call him up for a game like that. So, um, you know, it's not, not super complicated, I think, in terms of when we see Eli. Yeah, that seems pretty much dead on. A quick word from our sponsor, Auto New Fantasy Baseball is the next level fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters, accumulate prospects to lead your team in the future, or to move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration. Learn more about why... Everyone who plays Auto New becomes addicted at www.autonewbaseball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U baseball.com. Auto New, better fantasy baseball. Next up is one of my guys from the Reds, Nick Senzel. Uh, go Reds. He He's smart, smart guy, and he knows that this talk about the Reds breaking camp with their 25 best guys is probably just hogwash uh, BS, but... I do think we'll see him up for most of the year. Sounds like the transition is going well. So uh, do you think he may be actually the, the first guy that we see? First prospect? Uh, on the hitting side, I do. I think he's up April 13th, uh, which is um, a Saturday home game, I believe, against the uh, Cardinals. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and so – they don't have a game on April 12th, which is oh, obviously the first day. Friday uh, off days, man. Yeah. You're kidding me. Uh, but there is a two-game series that weekend, Saturday, Sunday, at home against the Cardinals. So I think he's up uh, probably the, probably right away on that 13th uh, because this Reds team, yes, I think we both expect them to send him to the minors, but this is also a team that's trying to win as many games as they can this year, so I don't think they're going to mess around. Yeah, that's smart. 
Excuse me. Now, we talked about some guys getting some helium. Luke Voigt, as we get closer to the big, real high-stakes money drafts, do you think Senzel is in that bunch, too? Like, how, do, how high in your main event do you think Senzel gets pushed up? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I still think he's falling too far in some drafts. I think he's a, a no-doubt top 200 guy right now uh, for me. Um, you know, I think getting – you know how far is too far to push him up i don't think he should ever be going ahead of Eloy jimenez um but Eloy continues to be a pretty good value i got him last night uh in that nfbc league um so i think senzel maybe you'll see in in some main events he goes inside the top 150 but i think he probably settles around kind of that 140 to 170 range yeah that seems totally fair i'd be in on him at that price i took him over winker in the one online championship i did that was tough Tough call. I mean, Winker is going to be ready to go from the start. He's going to get 500-plus plate appearances, as they've said. But uh, I just think the speed aspect, the upside with Senzel, uh, a bit more power is, is worth chasing. You said he'd be – Senzel would be the guy on the hitting side to debut the first one. On the pitching side, I'm assuming Jesus Lazardo is your pick uh, to first make the appearance, to make uh, this debut first, given that your estimated uh, arrival date is Saturday, March 30th. So what is – leading you to think that you know the A's are going to buck the trends we've seen with top prospects for years in a row now and, and actually include Lazardo in the opening day rotation well actually there's another guy I have uh debuting before him but we'll oh, we'll get to him that. in a we'll get to him in a second um yeah Lazardo I mean that's the start he's on track for they are really not hiding from the idea of him opening in the rotation he's their best pitcher they're wise to not take him on that trip to japan but they're keeping him on schedule so that he's going to be able to pitch in that uh bay bridge uh series right before the right before the uh start of the season and i think he's lines up for march 30th i think that they uh the a's always you know they're they're labeled as this team that just doesn't spend money which is true but they've shown in the you know not so distant past that they are willing to sacrifice club control on players and in, in win now moves i mean they, they traded addison russell when he was still a prospect for rentals of jeff samarja and jason hamill in an effort to make the playoffs uh back in 2014 and you know that trade hasn't turned out as poorly as a lot of people expected it would for them but uh you know i think this is a team that really really wants to get back to the postseason they have their young position player core all ready to go uh, I think they're going to make some moves to acquire more pitching in season. And, you know, they need every start from Lazardo they can get. So I think he, he opens the year in the rotation. Man, that's good to hear. I was fully expecting to have to sub him out where I have him, but that'd be awesome to be able to use him right away. Yeah, I hadn't really had a chance to dive deep into this, but yeah, you have Chris Paddock jumping down the list a little bit way, little ways. Starting opening day for the Padres, I love it. Um I don't want to see the comments. I'm sure you're getting some comments here. No, uh, no, 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 no comments. Yet. That's good. I mean, hopefully people just realize I didn't, this is a totally well, rational take. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I wanted to save this for the pod listeners and the subscribers. I've not tweeted anything nice. to the effect of, of this prediction. Just, um, you know, I, I kind of expected to get asked more about it than I have, but I mean, everyone's just kind of okay with it. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's on 
schedule like so he's uh going a day ahead of joey lucchese and the the schedule for the the padres right now and uh, as things line up right now, Paddock would be on regular rest for March 28th, which is opening day. Lucchese would be on regular rest for March 29th. Uh, the uh, you know the Padres have talked openly about him breaking camp in the rotation, like they're not eschewing it as just something that's not going to happen. Um, you know, this is another team where you know AJ Preller's always been aggressive when it comes to uh, promoting prospects and it's really hard to look at Chris Paddock and not say that he's at least one of their two or three best starters right now. Um, you know, they had Luke Casey forego. Uh, I think he completely skipped AAA last year to join the rotation in March. Um, you know, they had Eric Lauer only make four starts at AAA last year before, him, before he was up. So I think there's recent precedent for them uh, foregoing that, extra year of service time on guys and i think paddock is certainly uh deserving of the honor of being their opening day starter and i think it would just be a really really cool event for padres fans and baseball fans to have paddock pitching on opening day uh so yeah it's it's kind of a bold prediction but um i i sort of think that that's where all the arrows are pointing Man, that would be really cool. You get Machado debuting in his first real game as a padre you'd have chris paddock on the mound that'd be pretty awesome did you see that the notes today that went up about their outfield? By the way, kind of interesting yeah. how the outfield is shaping up. Yeah, it it is. Um, I mean, it's it's really well, encouraging if you're if you're a Fran Mill believer as we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you just don't know how many at bats to project him for. Same with Hunter Renfro, but I mean, they've given Manny Margot uh, a lot of opportunities over the past couple of years to sort of establish himself as a building block for them. And, and he really just hasn't quite done it, um, you know, from a, from just a performance standpoint, I mean, they're going to be sacrificing a ton defensively if they go this route, but, uh, <laughs> Myers and center. Yeah. Great. I mean, it, it, it's going to be pretty ugly. Uh, but you know, Fran Mel Reyes and Hunter Renfro had better offensive seasons last year than, Margot's ever had and you know I think they just are better hitters uh, I mean I, I don't think that's really debatable at this point so yeah you would be having a, a better defensive outfield if you deployed Margot but you know if they don't view him as a part of their long-term plans anymore and they view Fran Mill and, and Hunter Renfro as, as guys that they see being in the middle of that lineup for a long time you know I, I get it and that sucks if you're a Margot owner and this ends up be in the case but that sort of that certainly looks like uh, the way this is headed yeah when Myers first started playing center the spring I was like yeah maybe but now it's a very real possibility looking like that's the way things are trending uh bad news for Margot but back to Paddock real quick before we move on I guess the the big question for me is are you or are you going to be paying the increased price for Paddock in your leagues like are you coming around to the increased costs are you still kind of I mean, not the low man by any means on Paddock, but are you the kind of looking at him as maybe pushing up into a range that's cost prohibitive? Uh, well, I've been gradually moving him up uh, my prospect rankings all spring. Um, you know, ETA is a big, big part of those, and I think his ETA has increased by a few months since uh, we submit since I submitted the the rankings for the magazine and. Yeah, in, in redraft leagues, I'm always interested in getting him, but 
you know, he went like him and Lazardo went last night in my draft uh, a couple rounds, I think, ahead of Forrest Whitley, and I took Whitley. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I love Paddock, I love Lazardo, and I want to get them, but it just hasn't really been happening for me lately in drafts, and you know that's okay. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over not reaching high enough to get a pitching prospect that hasn't pitched in the big leagues. Uh, there's still really good established pitchers available in the range where these guys are going and guys that, you know, the Padres have not shied away from the idea that he might be in their opening day rotation, but they also have said that they're going to have to monitor his innings all yeah. season long. So it's not like him being in the, the opening day starter potentially doesn't mean he's going to throw 180 innings in the big leagues this year. I think he's probably capped more around like 140, 150. So you have to factor that in as well. Um, happy to get him, but I'm not like circling him as a guy that I've, I've got to reach up to get. Yeah. I don't think you should be too broken up, you know, unless you miss out on like Marquez or something, uh, too broken up <laughs> yeah. over any one. Player. You should really kick yourself. If you, if you miss out yeah, on Marquez. You miss Marquez at cost, then that's just <laughs> bad look on you. But uh, no, I think you make some good points because Paddock, you know, as sexy as of a fantasy guy as he might be this year, there are a lot of good players still going in that range. So if you miss, you know, it's not a huge deal. It's not like he was, when he was going like, 400 500 um and you miss out on him that well but. <clears throat> and think about the contextual factors here too i yeah. mean he's we just talked about how bad their outfield might be exactly uh yeah. they're gonna have to go to course field uh, a few times i mean that i doubt he gets to double digit wins even in like a best case scenario so you know there's there's reasons to not be the high man on him for redraft leagues he's certainly capable of paying paying it off I mean, you could take him at pick 120 and he could pay that off. He's that talented. It's yeah. just, to me, it's, uh, you're always, to get something in a draft, you're always giving something up. And to me, it's just, he's been going ahead of uh, some guys he shouldn't be going ahead of. Yeah, I'm really interested to see, though, when, how just how high he goes in some of those uh, towers this coming weekend and then some of those main events the following week. Uh, Pete Alonzo, obviously getting a lot of attention this spring, really crushing the ball. Also crushing guys like Josh Reddick on the base paths. Just, that was insane. The guy's just a brick wall. You have him coming up, and I like the detail you went into here. You have him debuting Sunday, April 14th, against Atlanta. Most people would probably think, well, why would he debut at a, a season a series finale? But you point out here that this is a nationally televised game on ESPN. This would seem to make perfect sense. Well, yeah, and and so they the Mets have a little bit of a... Uh, tricky situation on their hands where they're on a long road trip from april 11th through april 21st uh they if they want them to debut at home and they want that seventh year of control then they have to wait till after april 21st to bring him up uh, i mean i think he's already one of their you know five best hitters i think he profiles really nicely in the middle of that lineup and this is another team that's trying to make the playoffs this year so i don't think they're going to mess around and wait for a home series and you know, it's it's the New York Mets. Like they they shouldn't be doing stuff with um, ticket sales necessarily in mind. I mean, they should shouldn't be having a hard time filling that park uh, to begin with. So I, I think he's up in the middle of that road trip somewhere. I think that that Sunday night game would would be a nice way to break him in and and kind of give uh, the national audience an idea of one of the game's next big sluggers. Yeah, he could go like over between getting the call up on April fourteenth and that the end of that homestand and the New York fans would still pack the house. I'm sure of that. 
Uh, that's a big game, too. I mean, all games against Atlanta this year are going to be big for the Mets. So, yeah, I could totally see that. Forrest Whitley, now you mentioned that you just drafted him in the online championship, which is a 12-teamer. You are not. You don't have him debuting until Friday, June 7th at home against the Orioles. So what's the case for sticking this out and, and playing the waiting game on a guy like Whitley? Well, I'm, you know, in a 12-team league, uh, I, you know, I ended up with Whitley, Eula Jimenez, and Peter Alonso in, in that league last night. And I'm just, you know, there's a really good case, I think, for just going after upside in a 12-team league. Uh, never going to be any shortage of quality pitchers available on the waiver wire in that format. And I don't know when Whitley's going to be up. Like, I, I mentioned here that this is still a pretty random guess we've kind of entered the blind leading the blind section of this article like Whitley just could be I mean he could be up in April he could yeah. be up in May he could be up in June July like I don't know when he's going to be up um I think if you take him you kind of have to stick it out uh barring like an injury or something like that but um you know at a certain point there's going to be nothing left for him to gain by being in the minors and um, you know, I think he's going to be their third best starting pitcher as soon as he steps into that rotation. So uh, he should be up sometime in the first half, I think. Yeah, I mean, you've made this point in the past, too. It's just they, they want this guy available for the postseason run. So maybe starting him an extended spring delay in his start a little bit would make sense. You have uh, his teammate Kyle Tucker re-debuting, I guess, on the same day, June 7th. I think it could be earlier, but obviously not a clear path for him. But um, if he's not debuting until June 7th, we're looking at what, like 400 plate appearances in a best-case scenario? Is that kind of how you're you're operating? Um, you know, this is another one where I'm not super confident in it. Uh, he spent 52 days in the big leagues last season, so he's the one exception to the April 12th rule where – uh, they need to keep him down till June third if they want that seventh oh. year of control. Um, they are heartless enough to do that. I mean, I, I think you know a lot of teams would not have traded for Roberto Ozuna the way they did last year. Um, I mean, I I really think the Astros would sleep fine at night keeping Tucker in the minors for a couple more months uh, to get that seventh year of team control. Um, he really has nothing to gain by going back there. He was completely dominant over in the second half last year against AAA pitching, but uh, they also just have – it's it's kind of a luxury that they can afford to keep him down there just given their depth on the big league roster. So I still think he's going to be awesome this year when he's up. I think he's – you know, if you – if he gets dropped in your league, you know, he's kind of the rare guy where I think it is worth a, a two-month stash – as kind of like a worst case scenario but you know once he's up i think he's going to contribute in all five categories and yeah i mean it, it's it's tough to stash a guy for that long but sometimes i think in shallow leagues it makes even more sense to to do that just because your replacement level of players is so high yeah absolutely i'm with you uh gonna pause for a quick sec another word from uh, our sponsor draft if you love fantasy baseball then you need to be playing best ball on draft Here's how it works. It's season long, but with no management. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players automatically get selected, and you'll get the best score each week guaranteed. Leagues start every minute, so you can join one right now. And the best part, 
Play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Draft started just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Download the app right now. Just search Draft in your app store or play from your computer on Draft.com. This year, they're running a $100,000 best ball championship. Draft the best team, and you can win a piece of $100,000 in prizes. It's that easy. All new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit and use promo code ROTOWIRE. Just search Draft in the app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free with promo code ROTOWIRE. James, now we're into the Super 2 section of the article, and you have some some numbers here, and you, you mentioned that it's Super 2 is not an exact science by any means. So you just kind of explained to us how you went about predicting call updates for these these type of guys. Um, yeah, it's it's very complicated uh, how Super 2 works. I lay it all out in the article, but just kind of a, a general rule of thumb is that, um, well, Super 2 just kind of refers to how many years you have to pay a guy in arbitration. Uh, it's either going to be three or four. Teams obviously would prefer it to be three. Uh, for a really good player, that could save you $10 million or, or even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a good rule of thumb is just if a guy – is kept down until June. You probably only have to give them three years of ARB. If you bring them up before June, it's probably going to be seven years or four years of ARB. Uh, so yeah, it, it's these are guys where they're not ready to come up in mid-April, uh, so they don't really fit the uh, extra year control portion of this. But they could be ready around late May, early June, and in that case, their team probably does factor in like, well, let's keep this guy down until June so that we only have to pay him three times in arbitration. Yeah, that's uh, really glad that you laid that out because even as somebody who's you know been doing this for a while, I still have trouble wrapping my head around just what these rules mean. So I appreciate you diving deep and explaining this to us. Uh, Bo Bichette, the first guy up here, you have him debuting June 7th at home against the Diamondbacks. Uh, tough call, but you know Bichette is a really good player. Um, you have him just behind Fernando Tatis in terms of his arrival. But you're expecting both to be up in, in early June. So, I mean, I know we haven't talked about them being much on the you know redraft radar, but would you consider stashing either one of these shortstops? Uh I mean, in a certain size league, sure. Uh, I'm definitely not going to get Tatis anywhere based on his ADP. Uh, we've been over that. Um, but these are these are guesses that I'm much less confident in than a lot of the ones in the extra year control section. So, you know, while I say, you know, this is kind of my glass half full prediction on Bichette, like I, I sort of hope the Blue Jays do the right thing here. I think it'd be great for him to be up uh, this summer. They obviously are extremely cheap, so I, I do think they will factor in Super 2 status with him. Um, but it it's possible he's not even up at all this year. I mean, we saw what they did with Vlad last year. He was ready to be in the big leagues in May, and they kept him down all season. So um, that type of uncertainty makes me unwilling to stash him in most formats. Obviously, in, in a draft and hold setting, there's, there's definitely a round uh, you know, in the late 20s, early 30s where I would happily stash him. Uh, Tatis, though, like I said, I mean, he's getting drafted in the top 300 in regular redraft league, so I'm not going to get him anywhere. Yeah, and the cost is ticking up, too. He's he's getting some helium, too. Uh, not quite as much as Paddock, but he's definitely getting some. Uh, I would really hate if the Blue Jays played this game with Vlad again. Like, there's no real chance of that, right? Like, unless this oblique really lingers into, like, mid-May or something. Well, 
you know, I was thinking about this um, earlier today. Like, the, I, I could, I think we might look back on them not bringing him up last year when he was ready as just one of the dumbest things a team's ever done. Because, yeah. um, you know, what if he, you know, that like, what if he starts breaking down like in the fifth or sixth year for them? Yeah. And what if his prime years were started last year and like go through you know twenty twenty four or something like that? What's it? What if that's his prime? Just wasting uh, a year the, and they, the best they players blew an entire year prime. of it with him in the minors. I think that that um, has to have them a little worried. And so you know, I, I don't see them. I, I think they're going to have him up in April. Um, they the know public outcry. Well, yeah. Know. I mean, people are pissed off already. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see it, but it's kind of creeping into my mind, that fear, and I just can't even think about that because I'll just get too mad, too sad. Um, Brent Honeywell, of course, returning from Tommy John. You haven't pegged for a July 1st debut. Innings, of course, will be limited coming back from Tommy John. Do you think maybe we see him as kind of a primary pitcher as the Rays kind of ushered in last year? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends how many um, full-time or, like, traditional starters they want to go with in their rotation i mean he's certainly of the caliber of of guys like morton and glass now where they're not going to go with an opener and they're going to treat them like normal starters so i think in that sense he he shouldn't need an opener but if they um like having two openers and just kind of want to always roll with that um throughout the season then sure he could displace yarbrough or yanni chirinos or jalen beeks whoever uh, is occupying that role by the time he's ready Nice. Nate Lowe, Yusniel Diaz, Daz Cameron rounding out the list. Yusniel Diaz is a player that I was that wasn't really on my radar for a redraft at all, but I mean opportunity will probably be there, good park and at least somebody to keep in mind for for when he does get the call to, to maybe open up the wallet a little bit uh, in Fab. Are you gonna be spending pretty aggressively if, if he does get the call in season? Uh yeah, I mean this is definitely the portion these three guys uh, I mean, it's going to be stash in season, uh, <laughs> late April, early May in our, Talk in our language, in our stake league. Uh, this is where I'm going to be looking like, you know, is, is one of these guys heating up? Cause if, if so, it's, it's stashing time. Um, <laughs> yeah. 18 team mixer time to stash. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, yeah. Like look at the waiver wire and tell me you don't want to stash. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> worth picking up is in the majors. So why does it, might as well just stash unless you have to absolutely have to, uh, fill an active spot in that case. Sometimes I'd rather just drop the guy I have active and, and go full on stash, really embrace it. But, uh, Nate Lowe, I know you're pretty high on too. Um, you haven't pegged for July or June 2nd, so uh, none of these guys really on the mixed radar, but there are definitely some paths for Nate Lowe to be relevant this year. Yeah, and I think that unfortunately the Rays, you know, if the Rays, if the Rays could, they'd put two in every single player on their roster. Um, but they, you know, they can only they can only put two in like three to four guys uh so you know maybe they platoon low to start things out i could see him uh getting starts at first base when a righty's on the hill uh and having avisel garcia be the dh when lefties are on the hill and and gman Choi would also be in against uh righties maybe they let low play every day i really hope they do but um yeah i mean it's that's that's the only drawback i really see with him is just the fact that maybe he's not an everyday player just because of the way Tampa Bay does things and the fact that they have 
like three of the best lefty bench hitters around on their team already so it's like they're they're very ready to platoon guys um but he's i mean he's got enough power to hit 20 bombs 25 bombs maybe even if he come comes up in early june so uh, that's the big selling point with him yeah absolutely well great stuff as always anything else you want to mention prospect wise anything else been on your mind any adjustments to the 400 anything i did make a bunch of minor tweaks to the 400 this morning um you know i i wasn't able to Every time when I do the divisional articles, like breaking down all the prospects in, in each org, uh, there are guys that I move up and move down as I'm as I'm doing uh, all my homework on those. Uh, but I this year I did not update the top 400 as I was doing them and just kind of waited till after I was done with all of them to do kind of a big update. So uh, the top 400 is going to look pretty different right now than it did, say, two months ago. Um and that's the reason for that. So uh, if you haven't looked at it in a while, definitely go take a peek. We have those red and green arrows that kind of show you which guys are moving up, which guys are moving down. Uh, if you ever have any questions about why a guy moved up um, when there aren't any games being played or it's just spring games being played, I mean, sometimes it's just if, – if in my head, like, I'm like, actually, no, I, I think I like this guy more. I mean, that's just sort of how this list works. That's what happens when yeah. it's updated constantly. Like, I don't have to – uh, I think it's it's pretty nice when you can just do it twice a year and just say, all right, here's the top 100, yeah. I'm done with it now. But um, ev- like even people that uh, don't keep lists updated, their order of, of the way they would rank guys is is just constantly changing as you're hearing just new information on, on certain players. Um, you know, Maybe something you, you didn't notice the first time, you notice the second time uh, diving in on them. So a lot of movement, a lot of minor movement on the top 400 if you're interested in checking that out. Yeah, absolutely. Can't recommend that enough. Also, the article we just discussed, anticipating call updates. As the company president said on Twitter, one of the most sneaky, useful fantasy baseball prep tools, and I couldn't agree more. James, now time to shift to our discussion of uh, some of the most – uh, memorably bad hip hop songs of all time. I got one for you. How about this? Puff Daddy featuring Jimmy Page, Come With Me, the official theme from the Godzilla, what year is this, 98? Uh, very forgettable Godzilla film. Uh, I can't even call it a film, really, just a movie, just a popcorn classic. Um, but this this song was terrible, James. And. I don't really have anything good to say about it. I just remember thinking this was kind of the peak of, you know, mainstream commercial hip hop. This is what I think about when I think about commercialism and hip hop. <laughs> I'm surprised that this is not uh, getting a higher spot on your list. Yeah, I considered it, but there's just so many <laughs> okay. bad songs. Okay. Um, well, maybe I'll have to give it a higher spot. Uh <laughs> I, it, it's not going to be my pick this week, but, um, yeah, I, I'll consider it for, for later. Um, that, I mean, it's just, it's aw- it's an awful, awful, awful idea to consider mashing up, um, yeah. like a, a classic, classic rock song with a, a bad hip hop artist on the vocals. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if ideas come much worse than that. I mean, um, people try it all the time too. It, it's, Keep rap and rock separate. Please. Seriously, um, I mean, it, it's especially if like the the rapper's Puff Daddy. I mean, yeah, exactly. I just mean, give him give him one of those 
snazzy, juicy beats that the the hitmen come up with. Yeah, and a ghostwriter. Yeah, get this yeah. guy a ghostwriter. Get Feral Mancha a pen and a pad, and yeah. then get some some hypey beat. All I think right. Feral Mancha would be my preferred ghostwriter. I, I, I thought I heard that he was Diddy's ghostwriter. Yeah, no, I heard that yeah. too. Yeah. I just was saying, like, yeah, if I were a rapper <laughs> and I had to hire a ghostwriter, might be might be Wayne. Probably not though. Probably Feral Mancha. Yeah, I, I think that that uh, make me look a, smart. Anyway. It's a good call. Um, all right, so my pick also from the Bad Boy family. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of Bad Boy showing up here. Uh, oh yeah, this one though I don't think was actually produced by Bad Boy. I could be wrong. Um, this was Mace. Welcome back. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. When he returned from uh, being a minister and wanted to get back in the hip-hop game but wanted to do it uh, with with a clean, you know, no parental advisory on the album, nothing like that. Yeah, on his terms. Yeah. Um, did not work out well for him. I do, you know, shouts to Mace for wearing a Milwaukee Brewers hat on that album cover. Um, oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah, I, I remember... There was the Mace album cover with the Milwaukee Brewers hat, and then there was a Mac Ten album cover with a red Brewers hat uh, that I remember. Ooh. Mac uh, Dime, yeah. Mad Chicken Hawk, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, welcome back. I mean, that another horrible sample, um, just really cheesy song. Uh, not much more to be said. Yeah, about that. not much more to be said. I mean, Harlem World was a banger, though. I I love Harlem. Yeah, World. Harlem World's legit. Yeah, I made my dad buy me a copy, even though my brother had one. Wanted one for myself. Uh, then Mace kind of that was that album was like everything bit. good about like late nineties yeah. hip hop. Just tons of great East Coast features on that album. Yeah, and the the, the one video was kind of really commercial too. But <laughs> oh yeah, I forget what the name of it was, but I actually loved that song for a while. Yeah, I mean, we, I think there's going to be a lot more Bad Boy to come <laughs> uh, on this count on this list. You can check out the playlist. I don't recommend it, but you can if you want to. Yeah. Our buddy Andrew got that all set up. Andrew Redding, I think, is the last name. Let me just check on that. Yep, Andrew Redding at AW Redding on Twitter. So he's got us covered with the playlists on Spotify. We appreciate that. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you next week on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.